Hey you guys, how's everybody doing? It is Wednesday morning, September 6th, 10.06 a.m. Um, feels good to be back, in a way. Took a little vacation there, a little break from the whole thing. Just um, went, went off uh, for the Labor Day weekend. Drove around, saw some family, hung out, ate some good food, and um, really just enjoyed family time. That is until my uh, daughter got sick and um, the weather drastically changed and she got a sinus infection and then had an allergic reaction to the antibiotics and has an awful rash and yada yada yada. But she'll be okay. She's doing pretty good now. Um, so it should should be a pretty good should be a pretty good time. And so I think that she'll be fine. She seems she's pretty tough. I'm lucky enough to have a kid that even when she's sick, she doesn't even like complain. Like uh, she doesn't she's not super whiny or anything like that. She gets a little bit more needy and wants to be held like all the time. More specifically. She wants me to hold her all the time. Um, so, she's like, I don't know how my next kid is going to be. Because, like, I've got one girl and I'm getting ready to have another one. But this Dakota, she is 100% a daddy's girl. Like, 100%. She does not want hardly anything to do with my wife. It's kind of funny. But, now that we're back... Obviously, we've got a lot of topics to cover. You know, I haven't been in since Thursday. I think, you know, the biggest one that we can start off with right now is uh, college football started last week, guys. It was an awesome week. Um, you know, Saturday had a bunch of amazing games for the college football kickoff. Oh, gosh, I, I had so much fun watching football all day. I started watching football Saturday at... I watched football for about 12 hours. I started watching football Saturday at like 11, and I didn't stop until after midnight. So it was it was a I watched a lot of football. I mean, I took breaks and stuff, so, but I watched a lot of football Saturday, and it was it was awesome. Flipping back and forth between games and stuff like that is so great. Obviously, the big ones that we want to note. Um, just for me, to be honest with you, what I want to note is, um, you know, UK won. Granted, they beat Southern Miss. Not much of a, uh, a, a huge football challenge. But, at the same time, Southern Miss beat UK last year. So, you know, that, I think, says a lot. Um, you know, so we came back and we beat them at Southern Miss. It was a good win, starting off the season 1-0. I think UK is projected to go like seven and five this year, which personally I would love to see that, because I think it's anything after six wins makes you bowl eligible. Uh, that that sounds right. I want to say that that's right. Six wins. I I think six wins is right. I think that's accurate. But anything after it's, you know six wins that makes you bowl eligible. And so I'd love to see them get that seventh win in and have a chance. And, you know, last year they rallied late in the season to go to a bowl game, but then they just got smashed by, I believe, Georgia Tech was who they played. 
Yeah, no, it was definitely Georgia Tech. Yeah, they and like I said, they got demolished. They oh gosh, they got beat so bad. Um, what was the other one? Um, notable games, of course. To I I want to say to no surprise, Alabama won. Alabama thumped Florida State, and the the score. I want to say, well, the score makes it look like it was a good win for Alabama, but the score almost doesn't show how good it was. Because Florida State's defense came to play, and the only reason that Florida State's defense, uh, that, that the score was as low as it was, is because Florida State's defense was doing all they could, and they still lost by, like, 20 points. But, you know, like, seriously, how could you say that you're surprised? I mean... Alabama is like a pro team, like seriously, like every year. I mean, once Nick Saban got his hands around college football, once he sort of he he sort of got a plan together. This is what I think happened. Nick Saban sort of got a plan together, won a national championship at LSU, and then was like, "I'm gonna try to go to the pros. I'll see if I can make it happen." Went to the Dolphins, saw that it's different, came back, and then went to Alabama and is like, I've got a system now. I, I know, I understand what it takes to win. If we can run this like a business, like the NFL does, I can be unstoppable. And for the most part, he really has been. I mean, Alabama's won what, like, five championships in eight years or something like that. I mean, it's insane. I mean, Nick Saban hasn't even retired from coaching at Alabama, and they've already got a statue of him there. I mean, they got a statue of Bear Bryant and Nick Saban, which arguably are the two greatest college football coaches ever, but it's just crazy that Nick Saban is still coaching, and he's already immortalized. So, I mean, I just think that... When you get in there and you've got the system that Nick Saban does to, to you know, put it together every single year, it's just, it's hard to think that there's teams that can beat them. And there obviously are because other teams have won the national championship over the past, you know, 10 years. But, I mean, for the most part, it's really, I mean, it's an, the college football is like an SEC dominated sport. And I, for the first time, we're seeing. I think that I think that it's getting it's getting more and more exciting because for the first time, we're seeing other teams jump up and do stuff. You know, uh, Jimbo Fisher is bringing Florida State back around, and Dabo Swinney is bringing Clemson back around. You know, Urban Meyer, being the the total you know prick that he is, is bringing uh, Ohio State back around, which. I don't really think, I think that of all the teams that I just named, Ohio State's probably the weakest of the four teams. Alabama, Florida State, Clemson, and Ohio State, Ohio State's probably the weakest one. And I just say that because they don't play anybody. They, they literally play nobody. The only teams that they, that they play up there in the Big Ten are... Uh, Michigan is just now good. Jim Harbaugh has just now made Michigan good. But 
Michigan has always been terrible, and this new coach at Penn State has sort of built up some kind of resurgence. But we don't necessarily know if, number one, is that sustainable? And then number two, is it just a fluke? I mean, nobody nobody honestly knows. Like, does Penn State really have it together? Are they worthy of that ranking? Because the only reason that Penn State is ranked as high as they are right now this year is because they had so many uh, good games last season. And anybody can go on a tear and have a great season and shape everything out. I mean, look at how many times over the past, like, 10, 15 years, USC, Southern California, has been ranked number one overall, and then they come out and they're garbage. They're just hot garbage. And I like USC. I've, I've, I've always been a fan of USC because I, I just, I love their teams. I've all, like, their older teams, you know. But, you know, they haven't been able to put it together in a long time. Since that championship season, uh, you know, when Pete Carroll took them to the championship game against Texas, that was like the last time they were ever really good, aside from this season. And the win that they got on Saturday wasn't that big of a win. But regardless of that, going off, sliding off from it here, is I don't think that Ohio State plays anybody, aside from Michigan and maybe Penn State. Michigan now because Jim Harbaugh's back, and maybe Penn State because we don't 100% know if they're really a valid team or if they're just hot right now. And hot could just mean that they've got one one good year of good players. You know, they might have one class of guys right now that are that are doing this that are making them look so good. And the trick is for us to be able to really see if Penn State's going to be kind of come back and be a dominant team, the trick is going to be we're going to have to see if they're coaching, if they're recruiting, if they're able to harness the talent that they've got that's showing out for them right now and use it to bring more guys in. Because all you've got to do, you, the, the, the hard part about college football is you've got to get lucky one year and you've got to be able to coach your ass off and bring a bunch of guys together that may not be great, may be mediocre players, but bring them around to have a couple of big games, have a good season, win a bowl game. Doesn't have to be anything crazy, but win a bowl game. And you've got to then you've got to be able to build a momentum off of that to bring in more better recruits. Because once your name is out there, you've got to exploit it and, and bring guys in and say, We can build around you, we can build around you, we'll make you great, we'll make you great. And it's got to happen. So we got to be able to see, is Penn State going to be able to make that happen? That Penn State always gets a few good recruits every single year. But they don't rope it in like the guys like, like Alabama does or like LSU does or, you know, like uh, Florida and Auburn and, you know, uh, Florida State and Clemson and Michigan and stuff like that. They don't do it like those guys. Those guys get like handfuls of five stars every year. Every year, they're like every year, Alabama's roster is like stack loaded with outrageous players, outrageous teams. I mean, one of their running backs they've got right now, who's just a total stud right now, is is from Kentucky. Had had you know a list of schools that were looking for him and ended up going to ended up going to um, Alabama. 
And you know, I, I don't blame him because he wants to go somewhere where he's going to win. And it's take it's going to take time before Kentucky ever has a thought at being good enough to win a championship. But Alabama is in the running. Alabama is almost basically as soon as the season starts, you might as well write Alabama's name down as one of the four teams going to the college football playoff. And there's really nobody that can argue that. I mean, seriously, if you're if you're a fan from a different division, if you're Pac-12, if you're Big Ten, if you're ACC. You, you, I'm sorry, but you need to go ahead and acknowledge that, number one, the SEC has been and still is the most dominant conference in college football for arguably the last 15 years. I mean, it's like it's been outrageous. There's been other, you know, in and out victories in between them, but the tear that uh, SEC football went on from the mid-2000s to, like, a few years ago when Jameis Winston happened? I mean, dude, that com- that's unheard of for a conference to come out and do it like that. I mean, the only team that's ever, the only conference that's ever done that is, is the Pac-12 when, you, when the Trojans were winning games, like, all the fucking time. Like, all the time they were winning you know, and that like, that's the only time that it's ever really happened. They were winning like multiple seasons in a row. It was insane. So it's, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's like that they're just, they're feeding off of that system. They're doing what Penn State needs to do. You know, they're lucky enough to be good in the first place, but then they're exploiting their greatness to make them, to further that, to make themselves even better. And that's what you've got to do to continue that to continue the, the stream. And so, you know, this year and most years, you can go ahead. You could put Alabama down for a trip to the college football playoff, and the shakeup is with the rest of it. You know, because Florida State and Clemson will have to play each other, and Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State are going to have to play each other twice. I think. They'll definitely have to play each other twice at, when it comes down to the Big Ten championship game because in, as far as the Big Ten is concerned, two of those three teams are going to make it to the Big Ten championship. Unless something totally crazy happens, They all, uh, but two of those three teams should make it. So, I mean, you can... I would say... I would say that with as much confidence as saying Alabama's a lock for the college football playoff. I mean, those other five teams, it's a total toss-up. But it's, like, guaranteed that Alabama's going. Like, guaranteed. Unless somebody else in the SEC jumps out and shakes things up. I mean, they've already... I'm pretty sure they're the only team in college football as of week one who's beaten a top-five team. Because Alabama's one and Florida State was three, and they they stomped Florida State. And like I said, the the score shows a beating, but the score doesn't show how much of a beating they put on them. I mean, Alabama's defense—that's like an NFL defense. I mean, it's insane. Their front seven is so good. I mean, those boys are big and fast. I mean, we're talking seven guys on the front line that are 300 pounds and that can run like. Probably a five-second 40 or below it. 
like, I mean, seriously, they're freaks how fast they are. And, I mean, they're, every year they get a running back that's like Herschel Walker. Every single year they get a guy whose thighs are, like, as big around as basketballs that can just demolish defensive lines and can outrun safeties and linebackers. I mean, it's insane. Really, the only weakness that Alabama has is that I'm pretty sure Jalen Hurts is a sophomore this year, so he's pretty young, and I don't really know how good their receiving core is. But Alabama pretty much every year has always been running backs and defense, and that's what wins it for them, running backs and defense. And, I mean, their defense is its too good. It's, it's too good. And everybody always talks about, like, you know, everybody always wants to talk about, like, Ohio State or something like that, how, how they play so fast. Just like a few years ago, how everybody talked about how fast uh, Oregon was when, was it Chip Kelly, when he was there? Everybody's like, Oregon plays so fast, and they practice even faster. Like, they're so, they're so quick, they're so fast. And it's like, big deal, man. It doesn't matter how fast you are when maybe the guy on the other side is a little bit slower than you. Just a little bit slower. It, it doesn't matter if they're a little bit slower than you, but at the same time, they weigh 50 pounds more than you do. So it's like running into a wall. Because seriously, that's what it is. When those guys walk up to the line, you're on offense, and those guys walk up to the line across from you, and they squat down, and it is literally a crimson wall in front of you that might as well be made of brick and concrete. That's pretty much what you might as well be looking at. It's hard to get around that. It's hard to get around that. And man, their, their corners... And their linebackers are no joke either. I mean, their linebackers and their corners are so fucking fast. They're so good. They're so quick. They get around the corners. They, the, the corners are able to get around the receivers to be able to make the play. And they jump higher than anybody. And their linebackers, again, are so fast. And they're cutting corners, getting around the line. Or they're stopping people at the line of scrimmage and causing disruptions and stuff like that. Or like if the if the your running back thinks he's slick enough to run it outside and cut around him, they're there plowing into your running back. I mean their defense is so good it's insane. Yeah, it just it it's outrageous. Their only weakness is that they don't really have much of a throwing game. But Jalen Hurts is also really fast and a dual threat quarterback works out in college. Doesn't really pay out in the NFL, but it works great for college football. So, I mean, that's that's sort of the only the only downside to them is that their offense is a little weak minus their running game. And that's really the only disadvantage that they've got. So, I think that it's a toss-up for everybody else, but Alabama pretty much every single season has the golden ticket to go. And I hate it. Essentially, minus the fact that because I think the SEC is better, then I want Alabama to win every single game, basically. I want them to stomp everybody. I want them to run the score up on them. I want them to show how good they are. Now, it's kind of a different time because there are good teams outside of the SEC, 
every single good team is not in the SEC like it was a few years ago, because that's how it was, you know. Uh, Florida and LSU and Texas A&M and Alabama. Um, Florida, Texas. Yeah, really, Auburn. All of those, all of those teams, they were they were all good at the same time. And the only bad thing about that, it was before the college football playoff, was because they would beat each other out to go to the national championship, like the like the year that James Florida State won with Jameis Winston. The only reason that they won that game is because Al, is because Alabama wasn't there and Auburn was there. And the only reason that Auburn was there is because they won off of literally some fluke last-second touchdown to beat Alabama in the SEC championship game. Because that's pretty much how it's worked out for the past 15 years, and everybody knows this. The, the biggest game to watch, it's, it's totally a toss-up for everybody else to see who's, who's going to go to the national championship game. But in general, if you want to know who the winner is, watch the SEC championship game. If you want to know who wins the national championship, watch the SEC championship game. Because whoever wins that is probably going to win it all. And Auburn was a relatively weak team that year. They weren't really that good. But they went, they shocked Alabama, and they gave Florida State a run for their money. Like, let's not act like, for a second that Florida State had it in the bag the whole time and they were running the score up on them like they had been all season. Because Jameis Winston and Florida State had been playing great all season and they ran into a buzzsaw with Auburn and they were down literally the entire game. They were losing the entire game until Jameis Winston has that last second touchdown and they beat, uh, they, and they beat Auburn. I mean, seriously, like, that's really it. I mean, they were getting beat the whole time. And I think that, that should just go to show you, uh, even, even with Auburn being a weaker team, how good they still are, you know? How good a team like that can be. And so, this year, and in recent years, I should say, it's a little different because there are good teams in other conferences, but it's still, it's not, it's not the same. It's not, it's, Alabama is just different. What Nick Saban is doing there is just different. There's really no other way to put it than to just say that it's different, and it is better because that's why they win all the fucking time. They're just better. So, personally, I, I enjoy it. I mean, as much as I hate it, I also love seeing Alabama win because that puts them in a lock for the college football playoff and means that they're going to win and keep the, uh, keep the SEC dominance up there because SEC is the best football conference. No, not really a way around that. But at the same time, I hate it because then they just beat on the rest of the SEC and make it look like Alabama is the only good SEC team. The same can be said if you want to transition over to basketball with the ACC, that's either Duke or North Carolina, and they make the rest of the ACC look like garbage. They look like trash, because it's always either North Carolina or Duke. Occasionally Miami jumps in there and shocks them, or maybe it's NC State this time around, or, you know, um, What's another good ACC team? Maybe Virginia makes some magic happen or something like that. But it's 
it's it's rare that, that something like that happens. But it's mostly one of, one of two teams, and the and they always make it look like there's nobody else that can stand with them. And that's a bad thing I, I like about I don't like about Alabama and football is because because they always win, they make it seem like they're the only ones. And so everybody quotes this SEC bias, and now it's gotten to the point where people quote the SEC bias, and they said, it's only because Alabama, Alabama's all they got. And it's like, well, literally, when Alabama's like facing an NFL team, and they have to play all the same teams all year long, and they beat them, it's easy to say that. But at the same time, it's like most of the teams that Alabama is beating could beat Florida State and Ohio State and uh, Clemson and Michigan and Penn State. They could beat them easy. So uh, it's, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a really a fair thing to say because I think that if you put these guys in some, in some outer conference games against other good teams, you'd see just how good the rest of us are. It's just hard to beat Alabama. That's why it, it's rarely done. So, you know... I'm, geez, like, what are you going to do, you know? And that's the thing is Alabama just has the numbers on their side, especially being ranked number one overall, beating, being ranked number one overall, coming out against a top five team game one and winning. The numbers are on their side that say that they're already the easily the best team in college football, you know? I mean, Ohio State looked shaky at the beginning of their game. Came out and won it. Won it. Um, you know, Michigan had a battle with Florida before they put it away and, and came out and won theirs. I'm pretty sure Penn State won their game pretty healthy. And I believe Florida State and Clemson won their game, you know, pretty healthily too. But the Big Ten is kind of shaky. The ACC is the ACC. And, you know, Clemson and Florida State, once they play each other and, and beat each other, then, you know, that knocks them down, that kicks them down a notch, because they don't really have a chance after that. And really, there's nobody else that's any good. If USC can maintain their level of play all season, they're gonna go, they'll probably go to the college football playoff, and they'll get beat by somebody, because the Pac-12 is literally a joke. And there's nobody else. What there's... Is it the Big 12, whatever the one that's like that has like Texas and Oklahoma and stuff like that in it? There's really nobody in there that's going to do anything. Occasionally, TCU or Kansas State is a good team, but Texas is garbage, has been for years. Um, and there's really nobody else that I can think of out of there that's any good. Maybe Texas Tech. But that's it. It's really it. And so there's definitely nobody out of there that's going to make any magic happen. So, you know, what are you going to do? It's it's Alabama or bust, pretty much. And, I, and I'll ride with them until the very end. <clears throat> you know, I'm a Kentucky fan, definitely, at heart, 100%. I'll always rep Kentucky. But if it comes to somebody else from another conference that's wanting to, like, you know, talk some shit, uh, their their team might be able to beat Kentucky because Kentucky is arguably one of the the weaker team in the SEC, aside from maybe Vanderbilt and Missouri, which Missouri won their first game. Um, you know, they're arguably the weaker team, but at the same time, don't think for a second just because you can beat Kentucky that you can beat anybody else in the SEC, or that it would even be that easy to beat Kentucky. 
because let's not forget that they're let's not forget that Kentucky's offense shut down Louisville's Heisman winning quarterback who was literally throwing for 400 yards and running for 400 yards a game you know I mean was putting up ungodly numbers scoring all the points for his team and UK UK's defense shut his ass down last season and we won that game at Louisville so let's not pretend that an out of conference team is going to have is is going to just be able to walk over him and beat him because Kentucky plays terrible a lot of times but a lot of times they've also shown that they can rise to the occasion and get a win in you know like it's they can totally make it happen so i just i'm excited for what the season holds we're a week in it's toss up to see what's going to happen you know i'm really looking forward to it i'm excited Kentucky plays South Carolina this weekend at South Carolina. Got a good chance to win that game. I I feel good about it. So I'm uh, I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to this to this season. It's going to be a good year. And it's going to be a, a good a good time to see how the rest of the league shakes up and see what we can come up with. You know, but I think it's again it's going to be an Alabama deal once it comes down to it. You know, if I had to guess right now, I say that it's probably going to be a three-peat Alabama and Clemson, to be honest with you. I really do think that's probably what's going to come out to it. Unless something shocking happens between Ohio State and Penn State, or I guess Michigan could jump in there and make it happen, but I I don't think I don't really think so. I think that it'll be Ohio I think that it'll be Alabama and Clemson again for for you know, part 3, the trilogy. But in other news, to take a different turn here, I want to sort of switch gears, so to speak, get a little bit more political with it. And maybe this might be sort of a, a negative, a negative thing. I don't know. Because personally, I haven't really decided how I feel about it, you know, this whole thing, um, this whole thing about you know, uh, Trump, and then getting rid of that DACA, the Dreamers, or whatever thing, you know, if you're an illegal immigrant who comes to the country as a kid, you know, you're, you're granted citizenship, or you're granted a pass, or something like that, and a lot of people are pissed off this has been revoked, and, you know, one thing, though, is that a lot of people think, well, they've revoked this, and so they're going to deport all kinds of kids, like, no, it's not going to work that way. Like, this has been revoked, so it stops people from doing it going forward, but everybody everybody who's on it right now gets to file for a two-year extension, which means that they can still live in the United States, they could still work in the United States, so they could still be here, it's, they're still a part of the system, that's the way that it works. They get two years to figure out whether they're going to go home or they're going to become a citizen. And... You know, my big thing, when I look at this situation, is I see positives and negatives to it. Because the positive being, it reinforces, it, it reinforces this, this idea, or this, this myth, or whatever, that I, that, which I, I think is a bad idea. It reinforces this thing people say, uh, people are saying, that it's like an anti-immigration thing, and personally, I'm not buying that. Um, 
because we still, through anything that Trump does, we're still going to keep up the same immigration that we've done in the past, and we're going to absorb like 2 million people a year, like we always do, you know? But what this is going to do, which I think is good, is that this is going to force more people to become a legalized or naturalized citizen. And that's what I think that we need. You know, we are, everybody always wants to say, we're a nation of immigrants, man. We're a nation of immigrants. We can't, we can't keep people from coming here. And it's like, yeah, that's true. We are a nation of immigrants. But at the same time, the all the people that are saying, we're a nation of immigrants, we're a nation of immigrants, are the people whose family has been rooted in the United States for like two or three generations, for at least two generations, you know. And so it's easy to say that when you're a naturalized citizen, you're born into it and you don't have to worry about it. Like, you know, I've we've done the ancestry thing, we've done the genealogy thing on both sides of my family. And the most recent ancestor that I have that's from outside of the United States is like mid eighteen, mid to early 1800s when my mom's mom's like grandfather came over here. Maybe it was great-grandfather came from Ireland. You know, like maybe, maybe that much. Otherwise... On my dad's side, on my my dad's dad's side, that part of the family has been here in the United States since before the Civil War, okay? I'm a native in as much in the sense of word as anything else, okay? You could trace my family all the way back to before the United States was even here. And the ancestors that came over here from England before the United States was the United States went, moved down, landed somewhere in the upper colonies, and moved down to North Carolina, met up with a bunch of Native Americans, Indians, whatever you want to call them, American Indians, Red Indians, however you see to look at it, and started families with them. So I'm literally as native as it gets, aside from people that are actually like dominantly Native American. I'm as native as it gets to this country, especially on that side. I mean, on that side of the family, it's hard to dispute. My mom's side, it's a little bit more contention because they were here a lot later. But nevertheless, it still means something, you know, it's still a big deal. And so, you know, when you're looking at this stuff, when you're talking about these things, we're a nation of immigrants and stuff like that. We are a nation of immigrants, but there is such thing now as being in a native United States of American. <laughs> you know, Na the term Native American has changed now because being a Native American spans a lot of a lot of territory. We're talking Canada, the U.S., Mexico, Central America, South America. And being a Native American means a lot more than being an American Indian, okay? Than being Apache or Navajo or anything like that, okay? It means, it means a lot more now. And so I think that 
what we're saying when you try to say we're a nation of immigrants, we can't restrict we can't restrict any any kind of immigration. We're not restricting immigration. We're just making it harder for illegal immigrants to be here. Because no matter how you look at it, there are a lot of illegal immigrants, okay? There, there, and there, but, and there are a lot of, of bad ones, and there are a lot of good ones. In all honesty, because I don't know the figures, I think that I'm doing it a service by saying that it's 50 50. 50 50, 50 50, good and bad. I've known, I've known good, uh, I've known good illegal immigrants. I've never met a bad one myself, but I've, I haven't met that I am aware of that many illegal immigrants. And the fact is, is that I probably have met a lot of illegal immigrants, and I just don't know it. Now, at the same time, what you define as being a bad illegal immigrant is a little tough. I would consider it being somebody who's living for free who's essentially mooching off of the government, who doesn't even, who doesn't pay any taxes on anything, or somebody who's doing all the above and they're breaking the law, they're selling drugs, they're murdering, they're raping, whatever all that stuff is, you know, the worst side of it. Now, Americans that are natural-born American citizens, they do that. But at the same time, the ones that do that are a part of the system. So when they get arrested, they actually go to jail. They actually face a penalty. Illegal immigrants that come here, they don't face that because they're not a part of the system. Perfect example for you right here if you're, if you're saying that's not true. Perfect example. Two or three years ago, my mom and my stepdad, Terry, uh, are going over to, to his parents' house. And before they go over, they're like, we'll stop, we'll get some breakfast at McDonald's, and we'll head over there. Or no, 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 no. They went there, and then my stepdad went to McDonald's to get them breakfast. While he's there, he's parked in the parking lot, goes in, or no, yeah, yeah, no, 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 doesn't even get his food yet. He's getting out. This guy, illegal immigrant, Mexican uh, immigrant, backs up into my mom's car. Back, backs up, hits my mom's car, because he's driving my mom's car, puts a big dent in the back fender, doesn't really do too much damage to it, but, you know, backs up, damages the car, and immediately gets out, according to my stepdad, Terry, is speaking English, broken English, but is speaking English, telling him, you know, no cops, no cops, like, waving his hands, like, please, like, you know, no cops, no cops, and, you know, so Terry is like, trying to talk with him to get his insurance information. Turns out, surprise, this guy doesn't have insurance. Jumps in his truck and speeds away out of McDonald's. So Terry's like, I can't let this guy get away. Like, he's got to pay for this. Somebody's got to pay for this and it's not going to be me. Terry jumps in my mom's car, backs out of McDonald's, chases the guy down. All the while while he's chasing the guy down, calls the police, gives him his license, a description of the guy, tells him what happens. The cops say that they'll go out for him, and Terry leaves. Well, eventually, gets a call from the police and says, Hey, we found the guy. You know, we, we, we got him here, but there's a problem. And the problem was, this guy is an undocumented, illegal alien. He had no license. He had no, no proof of any kind of identification linking him to the United States. Had no insurance. Had no proof of ownership of the car. Nothing. 
And so, basically, they held him for 48 hours, like the law says that you can, until, unless, you know, that way if they hold him and something comes through, maybe they can get the ability to deport him. You know, maybe you get lucky enough to deport somebody like that, you know? But if nothing comes through and it's just a petty crime, like a hit and run, which is, I guess you could call it a petty crime, but at the same time, I don't think so because it could have been a lot worse, but whatever. And they let him go after 48 hours because they got nothing on him and they can't charge him with anything because he doesn't exist. He's not an American citizen. He might as well not be a human being because he doesn't exist in any kind of system. There's no paper trail behind him. You know? And granted, maybe he's one of the maybe he's one of the guys he's over here. He's just trying to do the right thing. He's supporting his family. He made a mistake. Boom. It happens. It it, it happens all the time. And a lot of good people trying to do the right thing make mistakes. But at the same time, if that guy was a, an American citizen, it would have been just that, a mistake. It would have been an accident. They would have called the police, they would have traded information, and it would have been over and done with. He would have paid for the damage, and it would have been fixed. But because he was breaking the law, and because he was here illegally, not only did it make it a worse offense, but on top of that, it made it it made him invulnerable to any kind of uh, criminal justice because he doesn't exist. So how can you take somebody that doesn't exist to court? There's no paperwork. You, you can't do anything. And because he doesn't exist, let's just say that they try to follow through and they really try to do something to him. Who's to say that he doesn't pack up his entire family in that truck and leave overnight? And then what are you going to do? He doesn't exist. There's no paperwork on him. He has no ties to the area. He could just get up and leave without having to do anything. And nobody's going to be able to chase him down because there's no paper trail. That is what is wrong. I don't have any problem with allowing as many immigrants into the United States as they can. But they have to do it right. I'm not against immigration. I'm against illegal immigration. Bill Clinton took a stance on it and nobody had a problem. Now all of a sudden, Trump is trying to take a stance on it and everybody's got a, has a big deal about it. I don't give a shit for Trump either way. I think that Trump was a better candidate than Hillary Clinton was as far as, you know, as far as not necessarily appearances because Hillary Clinton would have appeared to be a better candidate because she does have a political background. But as far as person for person, Donald Trump was miles above Hillary Clinton because Hillary Clinton was literally a bad person. And she was physically unfit for the job. And we can get into that at another time. If you want to hear more about that and you want to hear the facts about that, hit me up at the real DA Perry on Twitter and we could talk about it. I could do an episode or a couple of segments about it. Anyway, though, I digress. So, with that being said, though, I don't care about Trump either way. He could, he could lose, he could win, he could drown in office, whatever you want to call it. He could go down as the worst president ever. Doesn't affect me at all, because you know what? I'm just out here, out here grinding, trying to do my thing, trying to make life easier for me and my family. 
and trying to be a good person to the guy next to me. Like I've always said, because that's all you can really do. It, it doesn't make me a dime, and it doesn't lose me a dime, whatever Trump is doing right now. But at the same time, I agree that we need to have a stance on immigration that says, if you're going to come here, good, we welcome you with open arms. But you got to fill out the paperwork. you got to get a Social Security card. you got to get an ID. You've got to become a real American. Squatters' rights should not apply when it comes to being a citizen of this country. Everybody else... 350 million documented uh, 350 million documented American citizens, most of which are paying taxes, are buying into the laws, are, are having to obey, face the same penalties that the law says that we should have to. Why should illegal immigrants get a free pass? Not only is it not right, but it's just not fair. Because from birth... A citizen that's born in America, a real American citizen, somebody who's got two American parents and is born in an American hospital who is automatically an American citizen, from the time that they are born, if it is, it is known and expected of them that if you were going to live here, then you've got, you, you have to, if you're going to live here, you have to be a part of our system. That means that we're logging your, that means we're logging your DNA, we're logging your fingerprints, your footprints, we're logging everything about you, your height, your weight, your eye color, your hair color, everything there is about you goes into our system so that if we've got to, we can track you down because as soon as you start making yourself worth something, you're worth something to us and we're going to get a piece of it. Because that's what the American government says. And every illegal immigrant right now is getting to skip around that. And that's not fair to anybody else. I don't, I don't care how much they're getting paid under the table. If they're making $5 an hour under the table, that doesn't, ma that doesn't mean they're making much on a 40-hour work week. But at the same time, how many servers are out there working in a restaurant making less than $5 an hour that are maybe that are that are having uh that are having a dry spot in tips or that are working somewhere for less than $5 an hour that don't get tipped out very well you know what a tax gets taken out of that and that's just the fact that's just the way that it is that's how it works out so we don't need to act like for a second that illegal immigrants are going out there doing it and they're still having to work hard because there are Americans that are out there that are still having to work just as hard as they are and they're living it by the book. So let's not act like it's possible. So, I mean, again, I'm not anti-immigration. We need it here. That's what makes America great, is the diversity and the different ideas and this culture that America has of being able to be whatever you want and it being possible as long as you can work hard. But at the same time, let's make sure that we're doing this the right way and that we're forcing people to do it the right way and we're forcing people to live by the rules. Because right now, there's millions of people that live in the United States that are getting a free pass because there's nobody holding it. Not necessarily holding a gun to their head, but there's nobody with a real threat over their head that says you've got to, you have to be an American citizen if this, if you want this to work out for you. You know, Obama said something the other day, like about you know these dreamers that 
that they they work hard and uh, that that they want to be here that they spend a lot of time thinking about being here and wanting and, and wanting this to work out and everything like that he he's something to that effect i'm really i'm butchering the quote but it was all over the place basically it was just saying that he he thought they should have kept that daca thing at the same time though i i agree with him that those people mean a lot to this country but if they valued that american lifestyle if they, if they valued the American way, if they valued their way of life, their source of income, everything that they had and everything that it stood for, then they should have valued it enough to try to do the right thing and become an American citizen. Because there's too many people that are here that are not doing that. And there's a lot of people that are out there that are saying there are kids that are going to go to school and they're going to come home and find out, or they're going to get, they're going to be, be, uh, be, uh, they're going to be told in the middle of their school day, um, your parents have been deported, and that's tragic. That really is. But at the same time, their parents should not have put them in a position to believe. To their, their parents should not have put them in a position to let that happen. It shouldn't be, because their parents shouldn't have come over here in the first place if they didn't have a plan or if they weren't already becoming a citizen. It shouldn't have happened. If they're coming over here on a work visa, green card, whatever you want to call it, and they want to get their citizenship in, in the process of while they're working, while they're making a way, great. That's good. That's why the system is there. That's why, that's why them coming over here with that identification, that's how that works. So that they can do that, so that they can get an easier track into becoming an American citizen, or so they can work for a while and they can go back home to wherever they're from. You're right. No kid should have to worry. <clears throat> Sorry, no kid should have to worry about their family being taken away from them while they're going to school or while they're going to work or whatever it is that they're doing. But at the same time, their family should never have put them in a position where something like that could happen. Because it's not a, it, it shouldn't be the child's responsibility to say, hey, mom, hey, dad, you guys working on getting your citizenship? Where are we on getting our citizenship? Are we at risk of being deported here? Is, uh, is something going to happen? Am I going to wake up one day with somebody beating on our door telling us we can't live here? Like, like where do we stand right now? Are, is everything, has anything expired on us? Are we still valid to be here? Like, what's going on? That's not a kid's job. That's not what a kid should have to worry about. And so if we're going to say uh, no kid should be put in a position like that, I 100% agree with you. But we can't pretend that at the same time, while they shouldn't have to worry about that, that it's not somebody's responsibility to. Because it should be somebody's responsibility to worry about that. If it's not the kid, it's because it's their parents. That's, and that, that should be the way that it is. Again, like I've said this before, I... I'm not saying that I don't like immigration. We need it. Like I said, it's what makes the country great. It's everything good about this country has come out of the fact that we are a group of different peoples who have come together to make this work. But if we are going to come together that makes this work, we need to make sure that everybody's playing by the rules and not just living essentially for free. I'm not, I say living for free, but, you know, obviously nobody lives for free. But at the same time, a lot of people are living a lot cheaper because they don't have to pay into anything like an American citizen does. They just don't. And so I don't want any kid to lose their family. I don't want any kid to have to go through that situation, to have to have to deal with that possibility. But you know what would keep that from happening 
if that kid's parents does their due diligence, they do their job, and they figure out what it's going to take for them to be an American citizen, and they do it to make sure that they're not taken away from their family, that's what it should really be about. But it's not. It's not a priority to them. They're trying to make. They're trying to just come over here, make a way, live how we can, send some money back home, and we'll figure out the rest as we go. And it shouldn't be that way. They should come over, get a job, take care of my family here. How can I become an American citizen so I don't have to worry about getting sent back to wherever it is I'm from because I live here illegally, and then I can start taking my, care of my family back home and sending money back to them and sending them stuff they need, or making a way for it to be easier for them to come back over so they've got a place to start off from and they've got, they don't have to do it totally from scratch like I did. That's that's the kind of culture that we need right now. Again, no kid should have to worry about their family being taken away from them. But at the same time, no kid should have to worry about that because their family should never have put them in that position in the first place. And if the the if if it's if the cause of that, if there are millions of kids losing their families due to deportation, and the cause of that is something about. Um, it's it's too difficult to be an American citizen. The 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 red tape that you've got to go through is too ridiculous. Then, good. That's a fair point, and that's something that we need to have a conversation about because it shouldn't be impossible. It shouldn't be some big bureaucratic loophole full of bullshit to be able to get you to 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 come be an American citizen. And that's something that we need to sit down and we need to figure out. But I say with a hundred percent certainty that that's not every case. With 100% certainty, I can guarantee you that that's not every single case with every single illegal family here in the United States. And I believe that if you're a kid and you're born here in the United States, no matter where your parents are from, you should be granted U.S. citizenship because you're a baby and you can't help where you're born. That's a fact. But at the same time, if your parents aren't going home, if your parents aren't going back home with you, then they need to do their job, they need to do their due diligence, and they need to do whatever it takes to make sure that they can't be taken away from you because they're living illegally in the country. They need to do whatever they can to be a U.S. citizen. And again, if the path is filled with red tape that slows them down and sets them up for failure, then that's a conversation that we need to have to make that system better. But if that's not what the case is, which I'm pretty sure that it's not with every single person in the United States, then we need to get, a, get rid of these anchor baby laws that are protecting these parents, and we need to make sure that they're doing it right and living by the book like the rest of us. You know, Bill Clinton took a stance on this 20 years ago. The only thing difference now is the guy wearing the suit. We're saying the exact same thing that Bill Clinton said 20 years ago. And the only difference now is that it's Trump that's saying it. And again, you might be saying to yourself sitting there, well, you're just saying all this stuff because you're, you're a Trump supporter. Because I'm not. I can give a shit about Trump. Because anything that he does is not going to cost me or make me any money. Unless I'm investing in the Trump real estate. Maybe it'll make me some money. But nothing he's doing is affecting me. Not like that. You know what I'm saying? And so, what it comes down to me is just what policy is going to affect me and what policy is better for the country. And for the country, we need the immigrants. But for the country, we need them here the right way, doing the right thing, living the right way. 
And right now, there's too many people that are skating around the corners, and they're they're cutting corners, and and they're they're living for free, or they're they're living easier than the rest of us are. And then they get their they get their families broken apart due to deportation or whatever it is, and everybody wants to cry foul because that's wrong. When you're right, that is wrong. But they never should have put themselves in a position for that to happen in the first place. And we need to make it clear to people that there's a path for you to become a citizen. And if you want to live here, that's the way that you need to do it. You need to, if you want to be a part of this, you really need to be a part of it to the fullest extent. You have to do it. I don't believe in lots of things that the government does. But this system that we have right now of everybody being an American citizen and every American citizen paying taxes, that's the way that it is. That's basically set in stone for everybody. And so it's not right for some people to just be here and say or think that they don't have to do it just because I'm not going to fill out the paperwork. That's not right because most of us don't have a choice. And I mean that. You don't have a choice. If you don't pay your taxes, trust me, the government finds out. It doesn't matter if it's $200 or if it's $200,000. The government's going to get theirs, whether they got to take it by force or whether you give it to them at the end of the year. That's just how it is. So, again, I'm not a Trump supporter, and I'm not advocating that we need to stop immigration. Because we need immigration. It's what it's it's what makes us what we are. It's it's how I, it's how I am who I am today is because of immigration. But at the same time, we have to make sure that these people are doing it by the book. That are that we got to make sure that they're following the rules. That's the responsible thing to do. It's the right thing to do. And I hate that anybody's family would get broken up over this in the first place. But at the same time, like I said. They shouldn't put their family in a position to be broken up to begin with. They should never have set themselves up for that kind of failure. They should have been doing the right thing. They should have been doing the right thing, and that's the way that it should be. And there's a lot of people that a lot of injustice happens to, and that happens everywhere, regardless of if you're an immigrant or you're just an honest citizen that happens to get caught up in the wrong place at the wrong time. An injustice anywhere is an injustice anywhere, in the words of Sister Soul. <laughs> and it happens every day. But at the same time, these people, illegal immigrants, they're not the only ones that this injustice is happening to. And if they are, then we need to live up to a system of honor that America preaches, and we need to correct it. We need to, again, it's another conversation we need to sit down and have. But I really don't think that's the case. And I don't think there's a way that you could show me that that is the case with 100% of, of every illegal immigrant in the United States. I don't think you could do it. So. But I think that's enough uh, for today, guys. That's, a, that's a, a pretty good one to build off of. As always, you know, you can let me know what you think, thoughts, feelings. If you want to have a separate conversation or, or if you want me to have a conversation about some other subtopic that was in this that I mentioned... You can always let me know on Twitter at the Real DA Perry, wherever or wherever you listen to this. You know, as always, I appreciate the feedback, any kind of tips or, or topics that that you would like to cover. And um, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for being out there. Thanks for being a part of this. It means a lot to me. Have a great day, guys.